Thank you, Jesus. Well, it's so good to see all of you. Boy, God's already doing so amazing things. Amen. I have a, a wonderful announcement to make this morning. We have Alex's better half here today, Miss Annie. If you could give away, sweet Annie. <laughs> it's her first time here, and she had her beautiful baby, Ollie, and we'll get to meet him really soon. But it's so good to have you, honey. Does it feel good having your other half here today? Did you feel more cool worshiping because your wife was here? Yeah. <laughs> Got to show off a little bit. So anyway, I just want to encourage all of you to uh, be a part of next Sunday's family picnic if possible. The church is supplying flying chicken and subs, I think. And so it will be kind of our first time coming together as a community family and getting just to be with each other. Amen. Laugh and enjoy each other. And I guess the guys are going to, well, maybe not guys, but three on three and uh, flag football and a lot of fun. So just bring your cooler on out and come out for a good day. Amen. It's going to be fun. Well, I'm excited about this morning's message. I'm not going to keep you guys forever, but I'm going to continue on with the series on the promises of Jubilee. And if you missed the first teaching a couple weeks ago, I just encourage you to really jump online and catch the first one on Jubilee because it really explains a lot about what Jubilee is and, and what it identifies and all of that. Um, today I want to pick up from there, but we know that Jubilee was a holiday of the Jewish calendar for the Israelites that every 50 years they got a reset. In 50 years, it was called Jubilee. They would wake up and all their debts would be paid. Somebody say hallelujah. They'd have a brand new beginning. They'd have restorations and it'd be a brand new day. And I think I've said this the last few times I've preached, but can you imagine being in that generation uh, on year 49 at midnight getting ready for the year 50 to clock in? How exciting that would have been. I imagine that they would have had all their family members up. Everybody was like Santa Claus. Just waiting for that, you know, clock, click at midnight till it was the 50th year. And during that time, it was probably with great anticipation, great expectation. They had so much excitement within them because they knew the next day was going to be Jubilee. It was going to be a brand new beginning and a brand new day. And what I want to share with today is that we know because we're in Jesus, let me say amen, because of the new covenant, we don't have to wait 50 years for the year of Jubilee. We live because we're in Christ Jesus, in Jubilee, every day. Say every day. Every day when you get up, you have expectancy of a miracle. When you get up in the morning, God has to deliver some miracle or, or relationship restored or a blessing to come your way. Why? Because you're in Christ Jesus and I attract the blessings of God. Amen. It's not based on how we feel. And not based on how religious we think we are, how much we were in our Bible, although that's all necessary. We have the blessings of God of Jubilee because we're in Christ Jesus. Amen. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today. And I want to look at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And we're going to go to Luke chapter 4. And as we open up this story, Jesus had been water baptized by John the Baptist. And then he had gone through the wilderness with um, the, the 40 days with the enemy. And then Jesus shows up on the scene. And what Jesus was trying to do is you remember the, the church had just gone through the dark ages. There was no word from God. 
There was no prophecies. There was no spirit of God being delivered. It was the dark ages. And then Jesus showed up on the scene. And so what Jesus was trying to deliver to his people of the law that was passed down from generation to generation that they had to live by, Jesus just trying to instill into them, no longer do you need to live by the law or the legalism. He wants you to live by faith and the grace and mercy that he gave on the cross. So what Jesus had to deal with was the mentality of the people that they were so used to the slavery mentality. Are we listening? So used to the slavery mentality, so used to doing the law and the works of the flesh that they really couldn't receive the freedom to walk in the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. And so as we're coming into this new covenant with Jesus, we're going to have to undo all these works of the flesh that we think we have to do to attain the year of jubilee and the blessings of God in our life. Amen. We have to follow God. We need to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. But listen, jubilee comes because of Jesus. And so Jesus shows up the scene and he's trying to flip the switch to the children of Israel and teach them that he is the new covenant. So Jesus shows up in Nazareth. We find that in Luke chapter 4. And he walks right into the synagogue, which he always did. And in verse 18, he says this. He picks up the book and it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now remember, in the time where Jesus was reading this book, it was very customary. The people were used to the, the priest opening up the books and reading the law. So in their minds, this was not a new occasion. But Jesus showed up and was producing a new way things should happen. And so when he closed that book, it says in verse 20, then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And verse 21, and he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus was saying the law that you used to live by, today I am standing here and I am fulfilling that law. That means I'm making it complete. I am making it full. There is nothing you have to do except to receive him as your Lord and Savior that you are going to be withheld from the blessing of God. Amen. So we have to walk in that liberty every day. We don't have to wait 49 years or 50 years. Every day when you wake up, you have an expectancy within your spirit. God, where are you blessing me today? God, where's that door of favor today? Who am I going to pray for today that, can, that I can lay hands on and they're going to find healing, amen? God, what was taken from my life, I'm expecting it to come back to my life today, amen? Because I am walking in the blessings and the abundance of Jesus Christ. But what happens? The world and religious leaders wants to draw the law back into the church. And Jesus is trying to change that. Amen. He wants to mark the year of Jubilee in a new way. Jesus didn't just mark a holiday when he came. Listen, he, marched, he marked the age of a spiritual Jubilee. We live in an age of a spiritual Jubilee. Not on how you feel about yourself. 
not on the mistakes that you make because we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Amen. We've all made mistakes. But I can get up courageously every day and declare by faith who I am in Christ Jesus. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I, have, I walk in the favor and I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Why? Because Jesus fulfilled the law that I don't have to do anymore. He put it on the cross and I can walk in that grace and mercy every day and have an expectancy for God to give back to me what the devil stole from me. Amen. Thank you for his grace and mercy. I would never be where I'm at today if I didn't have his grace and mercy following me every day. Amen. We need that in our life. And so Jesus said, here I am. But we know scripture says in John, he said what? Greater works you're going to do. Why? Because it's not going to be Jesus just performing the miracles. He said, I'm giving you all power and authority in your life. So I want to show you that really quick in scripture. In Luke chapter 9, I'm just going to flip over there really quick. Verses 1 and 2, it says this. And get over there. Now Jesus was empowering the disciples, he said. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. What did Jesus say? Not just am I going to carry the power. You've got the power. You've got the authority. If someone in your home is sick, you can lay hands on them and see them recover. Amen. If somebody's at the grocery store that you want to pray for, you don't have to wait for the altar. You have power and authority to lay hands on them in the grocery store, at the gas station, in the parking lot. Amen. That's what the church should look like. Why do you have that power? Because Jesus empowered you with his authority. Amen. If your husband or wife are sick, lay hands on them. See the power of God released. I know when I was studying the gifts of the Spirit, you know, and I encourage you to study those. And I think the gifts of the Spirit should be used in our family first. I think we should be prophesying over our families, prophesying over our children. I think we should have tongues and interpretation over our kids. Amen. That's our first church. Allow the gifts to be activated in your home, and then you'll have courage to activate them out in the world. But in verse 2, it says this, then Jesus sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Now listen, as Christ followers, when you really know that you have power and authority and jubilee every day because of Jesus, you expect miracles. When you wake up in the morning because of that, you expect to see a victory over all, all the powers of darkness. That means when the enemy crips in our door in the middle of the night, how many know the devil loves midnight, right? The devil likes it when it's dark and you're all by yourself. And he gets in your head and he, he whispers discouragement and he, he whispers about your past and he makes you feel worthless. And it's in that moment that you can say, no, I know who God is in my life. I have jubilee. I have power and authority over darkness and you have to get out of my home now in Jesus' name. I don't have to wait to make a phone call. I can stand up and say, in the name of Jesus, you get out of my house. Amen. And I call the joy of the Lord. I call the peace of the Lord. I call laughter in my house. Amen. When you know who you are. But too many of us, and including myself, I, I am anointed to preach, but not always anointed to walk it. Amen. But I have to put on that faith every day. And I have to know that it is God in me, not based in how I feel. Because I've been in ministry for a long time and I've probably felt spiritual about this much. Can you agree with me? You feel about this much. But when you know who you are in Christ, you know that you can overcome anything that the world or the enemy throws your way. Because you empower God in your life. So when you know that you live in Jubilee, you expect power and victory over all the spirits of darkness. Amen. And you have, you have the boldness of God to exercise that in your life. 
Listen, the, the amount of spiritual breakthrough that you're going to have in your life in this relationship of Jubilee will be the amount of faith that you activate and begin to exercise in your life. And if you're not seeing that breakthrough, if you're still finding yourself bound, if the enemy's still drawing you to the things of the past, you have to begin to exercise this faith of knowing who you are in Christ. Amen. You need to do it through prayer. You need to do it through praying in the Holy Spirit. You need to do it through confessing the word of God. Amen. And allowing the power of God to come up in your life. Listen, when God was trying to take the children of Israel from slavery mentality, he wanted to bring them to the land of promise. That was the ultimate goal, bringing them from slavery, bringing them from captivity. And in Isaiah, and as Jesus prophesied, he said, I want to um, bring liberty to the captives. He said two things. I want to bring liberty to the captives, and I want to bring freedom to prisoners. And when I read that, I thought that kind of sounds like the same thing, liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. But as I begin to study that out, the, the word captive means this. And I believe there are two sets of circumstances that we live in as Christ followers. And that's why I believe Jesus mentioned these two prophetically. And the word captive means this. It means where the enemy comes and imprisons you and forces you into slavery, but you didn't do anything wrong. You didn't make the mistake. And that means that something could have happened to you beyond your control. Something could have happened when you were very young. Maybe a divorce in the family just somehow affected your heart. Or there was some kind of betrayal or abuse or, or somebody, uh, yeah, uh, betrayed you. And what does it do? It, it brings you captive and the enemy locks you up and you don't trust and you're not, and you're bound by all these things. But it's not because you necessarily did anything wrong. And then imprisonment means this, you're suffering a judgment as a result of breaking the law. That means that there was something wrong that happened in your past and it's brought judgment and you feel imprisoned. In whatever situation you're in, whenever you're in bondage, Jesus said, I don't care why you're there, why you're there, I've come to set you free. It doesn't matter what the circumstances. What matters is that you feel bound. You feel worthless. You don't feel good enough. You're hidden into the caves of shame because the enemy is always reminding you of your past. But Jesus said, when I come and fulfill that law, I'm shattering those bondages. I'm breaking those captivities, and I'm coming to set you free. Now, listen, in order for you to receive jubilee, in order for you to receive the restoration that I'm going to talk about today and the next couple weeks is you have to first find freedom. If you don't really know that you are set free by the cross, if you don't really have a revelation of what Jesus has done for you, you will never walk in the freedom and you'll never see the promise that God has given you. And that's what happened to the children of Israel. They, God said, Moses, take them over to the, to the promised land. And what did they do? They marched through that wilderness and they could never see what God saw. If you look at the first generation, the first generation was, um, they were uh, too afraid to enter the promised land. Why? Because they were so bound by their past mentality. We're sitting here in this room and there's so many that God has something so amazing right in front of you. And we're too bound by the past that we can't see what God sees. We're too bound by people's opinions. We're too bound by maybe a mistake in our past. And God's like, you're standing right in front of the promised land. If you could just see me in there, you'll be able to enter in. But if you're not free to see me, then you can't see what I have for you. Amen. So they were too afraid to enter in. And they saw the enemies bigger than God. And they were more afraid of the enemy than they had fear, righteous fear in God. 
And so what happened to that generation? They never entered in to the land flowing with milk and honey. They never entered, entered into promise. We're talking about jubilee. If you stay captive in slavery to your mentality of the past, to people's opinions, to failures, you'll never see the jubilee that God has for you. So what did God do? God says, I'm going to raise up the next generation. I believe we are living in this generation of Joshua and Caleb's. Right now the world looks intimidating. The world looks fearful. The world like what the heck is going on and where is God is all of that, in all of that. But I'm telling you there are churches that are Joshua and Caleb's. There's a generation sitting over there, Z, that is Joshua and Caleb's who are going to say, I am not afraid of this enemy. I am not afraid of this world. I know my God is bigger than what I'm looking at. And they're going to rise up and say, we're going in where God said we could go. God's looking for people to say, go into that promised land. See what I have for you. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Just go on in and then just bat that first enemy out of the way. They didn't go in and recover all in one day. They went and dealt with one Hittite. I don't even remember all their names. But then they went to the next ite, right? Then they went to the next ite. They just went ite by ite by ite until when they recovered all. See, God wants you to go in and get what the enemy took from you. Actually, God wants you to go get what's rightfully yours. It's yours. That dream you thought you lost, go get it. That promise you thought was, was past you, go get it. That promotion you thought you missed, go get it. Amen. That relationship restored, go get it. Single people, go get a good, healthy mate. Amen. Go get what belongs to you. When you know who you are, you will walk in boldly knowing that God is with me wherever I go. We got to be like Joshua and Caleb. Jake, Joshua and Caleb. Have that authority and go, there's no enemy too big for my God. Amen. And they saw the enemy big, but they saw God bigger. And when we know who we are, amen, we will see God doing miracles. So what do they do? They did little by little. What does God want to do? He wants you to recover all. God wants you to recover everything that he's meant for you. What does that mean? It's restoration time. Once you're free, once you have the mentality that you are living under the covenant of Jesus Christ, now he's going to bring you into the restoration phase. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. So let's go into this really quick. The year of Jubilee was everything that a person lost was returned back to them. So listen, if it was a business, it came back to them. If it was land that they lost, it came back to them. Whatever they lost in the process of life, in that law of jubilee, it had to come back to them. Listen, your callings has to come back to you. Your dreams and desires, they have to come back to you. Amen. Everything that you've lost in this season, God wants to give it back to you. And I believe prophetically that God is saying, I'm doing it suddenly. I believe we're in a suddenly moment that we're going to blink. I'm telling you, if you could stir up your faith, God's going to begin to move like this. Because all he wants to do is get his church focused back on him. we got to get out of the world stuff, get out of all the rattling sabers that's making us busy and distracted. Look into Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, and watch and see what he won't do for your life. Amen. Believe in the Lord for great things in this church. I know God's going to do some suddenlies. Amen. But we have to understand some things. I want to show you this in John 10.10. 10. John 10.10. 10. I'm going to go back to another scripture in a minute. But John 10.10. 10. I'm going to go actually verse 9. And we know this story. But what I want you to see is Jesus was again trying to show them the freedom that he has given them. And in verse 9, Jesus said to them, I am the door. 
if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And watch this part. They will go in and they will go out and they will find pasture. And when I read that, I saw when we come into Jesus, I get to come in and I get to go. That means I have freedom. Jesus is showing that through the blood of Jesus, him being the doorway, there is freedom and liberty. I can come into Jesus and I can go into the world and love my family. I can come into Jesus and I can go and get promotion. That is the freedom that we have through Jesus Christ. That's the liberty. That's the jubilee. But. Jesus went on to say, I'm here and I'm the door and I'm the way to give you freedom. But what does the enemy want to do? He wants to steal your liberty. The enemy wants to get you back into bondage and slavery, away from the freedom that Jesus set up for you. So in verse 10 he said, I'm the door, but the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Now, I want you to look at this because I did a deeper study into this because I've known this verse. You know, devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You know, we probably could all quote that. But I really took a minute to study it out and what did it mean. And if you look at that word thief, that word thief means klepto. Listen, the enemy knows exactly what he's doing. And he knows exactly how to get into your life and steal from you. And what he might try to steal from you may not work on me. Right? We all have different things that the enemy knows are weak points and he knows what he can pull from. <clears throat> can I have a drink of water, please? What he can pull from to begin to steal things from our life, right? So if you look at uh, that, that word klepto, it also means this to embezzle. Thank you, sweetheart. Before I keep preaching, I'm going to go ahead and take a drink of water. Y'all talk to each other, say hi. It's so embarrassing to drink water when you're trying to preach in front of all these people. <clears throat> okay, so what happened? I want you to see the thief is the word embezzler. When someone is embezzling in your business, they're slowly doing it. And they're doing it and you don't even realize it. See, what you have to know is there are some things that happen in life that are gut-wrenching. We know that. But overall, the enemy comes and he takes a little bit. There's one little offense that takes from your heart. There's one little betrayal. You don't even know he's embezzling your joy. You don't even know he's embezzling your peace. You don't even know he's taking away your love from God because of disappointment. Because he's embezzling it until it's too late. Until there's been so much taken that you don't even realize and you're not even sure you can recover it back again. Amen. This is the enemy. It also means that he's sneaky and he's slow. He comes in like a stealth. That word thief also translates, this is so interesting, to pickpocket. The enemy is a pickpocketer. You ever watch those movies? They bump into you. They've got your wallet, your phone, your ring. they got like everything. How would you get that? That's how the enemy is. He's cunning. Listen, he comes and he pickpockets because he hates your joy. He hates your love for God. He hates that we're crying for revival. He hates that we are crying out for miracle signs and wonders. So he'll come in and pick from you. And he'll cause offense. He'll cause dissension. He'll cause uh, whatever, somebody to betray you. Something's going to happen. And you're not even going to realize it until you're on the other side of the fence, far away from where God wants you to be. Because that's the thief's job. That's what he does, right? He's a stealth. And it almost goes unnoticed until it's too late. And then people wake up and we're in a place of, how did I get here? I'm angry. I'm bitter. I'm critical, I'm judgmental, I'm unhappy, I don't even think I love God anymore. And people find themselves over and over because they didn't realize that who they are in Christ, that the devil was coming to steal 
from their life. We don't give them that much, we're not going to give them that much credit, amen, but we're definitely going to put them on notice today. He's not going to embezzle from me anymore. You're not going to pickpocket my joy because I'm going to recognize you, devil, because I know this is the year of promise. This is the year where the church is in acceleration. It's not time to give the devil any place. When offense comes, you better bat it away. When someone's judgmental, bat it away. When you feel discouraged, bat it away. Why? Because God is moving. <clears throat> okay, so the second part of that is the devil comes to steal. He also comes to kill. And that word kill there means a sacrifice, but it also means to, to cause you to give up something precious and dear. And you know in our walk with faith and we're really trusting God for things, I've got things that I've been spoken over that are 20 years old that hasn't happened yet. And it's almost like when the enemy comes, you just give it to him. Oh, well, that's never going to happen. There's no way that promise could come to wet place. There's no way my kid can come to Jesus now. And we end up giving up something that's precious and dear to us and to God, to the enemy. And we just, we, we let him have it because we think it's too far gone. And we just, we give it away. And that word kill means, it, it actually means to breathe hard. The devil's breathing hard. He's looking at you and he is fighting for you. He wants to get you out of the will of God. He wants you to feel abandoned. He wants you to feel worthless. This is his assignment. But when you know who you are, when you know that you're in covenant with the cross, you don't bow your knee to that spirit. You keep remembering who you are, not based in how you feel. Then it goes on to say, and to destroy. That's the last thing that the devil does. So if he can begin to embezzle you, right, and he can begin to cause you to give away things that are precious to you, the last thing he does is he destroys you. And that means he devastates you. But it also means, makes you feel like the word is trash. How many times has the enemy made us feel like trash? We may never say those words. They may never utter out of our mouth, but we wake up and we feel worthless. And we feel unusable. And we feel out of our time. And we think, how could God ever change me? How could God ever change the situation? And we feel like trash. And that's exactly where the enemy wants us. Because we are God's kids. We have been bought by the blood of the lamb. We have every precious promise that the word of God says. But if he can get us to this place to keep stealing, we'll walk worthless for Jesus. And we'll never receive everything that God has for us. Amen. <clears throat> and it's not just about things, although there are things, but it's about this world that we need to reach for Jesus. If the enemy can make us feel like, in incapacitate us to make us feel like we are worthless, we'll never do anything for the Lord. But if you know when you step out by faith and you pray for someone, it is not you. It is the spirit of the Lord in you. You are a conduit. That's it. Here I am, Lord. I'm available. I'm imperfect. And thank you, you used imperfect people all the time in the Bible. Here I am, use me. Amen. It's not going to be based on how I feel. So, um, excuse me, Galatians um, 2, 4 through 5. I think, do you have that up there, sweetie? And this occurred. Okay, so here it is. What I want to show you is how the enemy wants to come and steal your, your freedom. And in Galatians, we're talking about the law. And in this part of Galatians, the Galatia church, listen, wanted to go back to the law. 
we have this desire for some reason to do works of the flesh to feel like we're spiritual. And so somehow the Galatia church wrote to Paul and said, Paul, listen, Titus needs to be circumcised. <laughs> I don't know why they picked Titus out, but they wrote a letter. And Paul's like, what do you mean you're bringing circumcision back to the church? We don't go back to the law. We've been bought by Jesus Christ. And so he had to write a letter to correct the church and say, listen, it is not by your works that we follow any longer. So he said this in Galatians. And this occurred, right, what? The legalism in the church occurred because of false brethren secretly brought in who came in by stealth to spy out your liberty. Listen, the enemy does not like that you are free. The enemy doesn't like that you know who you are in Christ Jesus. There may be people in your world that the enemy uses that don't like your freedom in Jesus. They may not like your love for the Lord, your love for your pastor, your love for your church. They may not like that you're happy. So guess what? The enemy will come in and spy out your liberty, sneak in your life to do what? Steal that freedom from you and bring you what the word says back into bondage. We've got to be aware that we don't give in to the enemy that wants us to fall into legalism again when we are free in Jesus. Don't let anybody steal your freedom and your liberty, amen. We have to stay free in Jesus. He said that they might bring you into bondage again. But look at verse 5. He said, to whom we did not yield submission even for an hour. He said that religious spirit came in to bring us back to the law, but I'm not even going to submit to it for an hour. Why? Because when you give in to the enemy just a moment, when you start feeding on discouragement, you start feeding on the failures of your past, what happens? It overtakes you. Let me give you an example. When I was uh, younger and I was single, well, I still am single, but when I was single then, there would be times in my life where I would have a window of being lonely. And it could have been a movie. It could have been maybe seeing a couple together. And, and loneliness would just seep into, into my heart. And I realized that when I let that in my life, even just for a moment, it would overtake me sometimes one or two weeks to be able to shake that thing off. And I realized that when, I, when that spirit comes to make me feel a certain way, I have to get rid of it immediately. We can't feed into offense. You can't feed into judgment and criticism. You can't feed into loneliness or whatever you're going through because it will open up the floodgates of emotions that's going to take you some time to get it out of your life. So they said, I didn't, we're not going to give it into an hour. We're going to get back to the truth, which is Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, and Jesus is the life. Amen. He had to bring instruction back to them. And that's what God wants for you. So God wants to what? He wants to restore everything back to you. In 1 John 3, 8, let me read this scripture to you. And we're rounding the corner. 1 John 3, 8, the one who practices sin is of the devil. Now look at this. Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning, right? What has the devil been doing from the beginning? Stealing our liberty. What has the devil's job been? Steal your joy. Steal your peace, right? All these things to steal your liberty. Because of that, for this purpose, the Son of God was revealed to do what? Destroy the works of the devil. Now I want you to see this. That word destroy is the same word in John 10 where the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And how the devil makes us feel ruined and devastated and trash. When Jesus came, he worked all things together for good. He destroyed the devil. 
He ruined the devil. He made the devil feel devastated and trash. Amen. That means the devil is where he is under our feet. Jesus has reversed the curse. Somebody say amen. He has reversed the curse. That means it's time for us to go in and get back what belongs to us. It's time for restoration. I want to ask you this morning, what has been stolen from your life? What have we freely given away because of our own insecurities or fear or our own timetable? God wants to give it back to the original owner. God wants to repair and he wants to renovate some positions in your life. And I really want you to take a minute this morning, and it may be something you're going to have to just really talk to the Lord in this week. What has really been taken from your life that devastated you? Because there are some things that God truly wants to give back. And I'm not just saying this this morning because we need a good shout. I want you to have everything God has for you. And that means you have to identify what is that thing that God wants to give back and restore back to you that really caused you to lose your way and lose your hope and lose your joy. That word restore, which really leaped in my spirit, means this. It means to restock empty shelves. I want that to set with you. God wants to restock some empty shelves. And that's financially. I believe God is calling blessings to his kids in this season. Because we need to fund the kingdom of God, amen. Not only bless you, but the church needs to be about the Father's business. We need to do the resources and have what God has for us. So blessings has to, God wants to release an abundance into your life. There is no lack. I just need to pray that right now. Just lift your hands. Father God, I pray in the name of Jesus that, God, you are going to restock every empty shelf, Father God, where there's any lack. Father God, where they've grown dry or they're at the very bottom, we decree a full restoration in the name of Jesus. Father, an increase by your spirit. Let your heavens open up and begin to restock financially all of those shelves. Bless them in their businesses, Father God. Bless them in their jobs, Lord God. We just decree that in the name of Jesus, that there's nothing missing, nothing broken, Father God, that they have all things necessary in Jesus' name. God wants to restock the shelves. Not just with money, that too, but he wants to restock your joy. He wants to restock your hope. He wants to restock your faith and your love. There's so many scriptures on restoration. He wants to restore the joy of your salvation. He wants to restore health and healing to your body. God is about restoration, amen. He restores freedom where there's been captivity. He restores life where there's been imprisonment. Listen to this. He restores a headdress of beauty where there's been ashes. Maybe there's something that's in your past that's been shameful. It's time to put on the crown of righteousness. Let's take off the ashes. Let's put on the crown. He restores your beauty back. He restores gladness where there's no more mourning. He restores praise where there's despair. And get this, Jesus gives you a second chance. And he gives you a third chance. And he gives you a fourth chance. Listen. Jesus never gives up on you. I'm so glad he never gave up on me. I'm so glad he never quit loving me and forgiving me, never used me beyond my own self-esteem. I'm so glad that the Lord stayed with me. And listen, the Lord is with you. And I almost feel like as I'm ministering that there's some of you who God is throwing a rope of hope today. Like Rahab, she had to throw that 
red line out the window by faith. She didn't know if they were coming back, but she threw it out by faith. And I feel like God is doing that with some of you. He's throwing that rope to you today. And it doesn't matter what despair you're at, no matter how broken or lost you feel, there is a rope being extended to you today. There is the grace and the love and the forgiveness of Jesus. And what I feel is that God's saying you need to forgive yourselves. It's time to forgive yourself. You know, God forgives us, and I think we can almost receive that. But we're our biggest enemy, aren't we? It's time to forgive ourselves. It's time to say, no more, God, I'm letting it go. I'm not bound by the law. I'm not bound by performance. I'm not bound by legalism. Jesus paid the price. And all we have to do is say, yes, Lord, here am I. Here am I. Yes, Lord, I receive your forgiveness. Then let God figure the rest out, amen. We don't have to figure out A, B, C, D, E. God will do all that. But we just need to say yes to Jesus. So with all eyes closed this morning, I want to ask you that question. Are you ready to say yes to Jesus? You may not know all the answers. It doesn't matter. Jesus is just calling us by faith today. And maybe you've been lost your way because you were so hopeless. Maybe you just stepped away from Jesus, although he never stepped away from you. But maybe you stepped away because you just lost hope. And you just wondered, was anything ever going to change? And God is saying, yes, I'm here. I love you. But you have to step toward Jesus. Jesus says, you draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. He's just looking for that step of faith. So just, you need to step to Jesus today. Don't let guilt or shame or condemnation keep you away today. Amen. And you love Jesus. There's so many of you love Jesus. But it's time to get out of that law. Get back into his grace. Get back into his mercy. Amen. So I want us all just to say this prayer with me this morning. Say, Heavenly Father, I'm asking you to forgive me of all of my sins. Forgive me for letting go, losing hope, letting things, giving things to the enemy. But Jesus, I'm receiving restoration by your grace and by your mercy. Jesus' name with all heads bowed and eyes closed just for reverence. If you said that prayer and that touched you today and you know you had to let go of some things, just quick all over this room, shoot your hand up and put it down. Just thank you, thank you, thank you. They're everywhere. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, they're everywhere. I believe it touched all of us. So, Father God, I pray grace, grace over everyone right now. No guilt, no condemnation, no shame. We bind it now in the precious name of Jesus Christ. We release grace and mercy to follow them everywhere they go, Father God. Lord, as they leave this place, we cover them with the blood of Jesus, that nothing can touch them, but Lord, have your way. That rooted truth of who you are, Father God, let it become a revelation. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Well, Pastor Paul is with the boys camping. Our young boys have been camping. Our girls just got back from a weekend. We're so excited about that. So we have our elder Mike Fox closing out our service today. So we just give him a warm welcome. Thank you, Pastor. Amen. Awesome message, huh? Woo.